When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Jack Gentry. He writes for A to Z Sports. He's also the host of the Tighten Up podcast, and he's also a member of the George Plaster Show on 560 AM WNSR here in Nashville. We talked to Jack about his Vanderbilt fandom despite attending Ole Miss. We'll touch on that. And also Jay Cutler, his fondest memories of Vanderbilt football and basketball. And we also touch on Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker and how fun it's going to be to watch those two guys this season for the Vandy Boys at the Hawk. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 64. It is Wednesday, January 13th, the year 2021. 13 days into a new year. It's been pretty solid so far. Not too much to complain about. Uh, again, we are, as always, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. Uh, a little bit of a branding switch there now. Alaco Finewood Floors. We'll get uh, to more of them a little bit later. But also a little bit later in the pod, Will will be joined by Jack Gentry. Great interview there. Um, he's a Vanderbilt fan. He's uh, a writer for A to Z Sports. But he switched. We well, didn't make the switch. He, he went to Ole Miss, but he, he continued his allegiance with Vanderbilt. So we'll touch on uh, the doors a little bit with Jack Gentry. We'll also recap the Mississippi State game. Commodores fell 84-81. Uh, we'll touch on that. Also, Vanderbilt, Tennessee postponed. They were supposed to play last night. Uh, but uh, due to some issues within the Commodore program, they were unable to get that game in. We'll touch on that a little bit. And also, Will will ask the question, Is Mike could Mike Denbrock, Cincinnati's offensive coordinator, join Clark Lee at Vanderbilt as Vanderbilt's offensive coordinator? We'll touch on that much more. Will, how you doing, my man? This is uh, it's been you know another we're taking a few breaks here, but uh, it's it's good to get back at it back here on the yeah. Line. Good to talk some Vanderbilt athletics. Any chance we get? And that conversation with uh, Jack was particularly fun for me because anytime you have somebody come on and and immediately start out with mentioning Shane Foster, I'm going to be a big fan of that guest. Oh, always, always an enjoyable pod. Again, uh, Jack, great friends, uh, friend of the pod. So uh, you know, definitely fun. Uh, to check out there. It's time now for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will. 
Mississippi State 84, Vandy 81, Saturday. This was a noon tip in Nashville at Memorial. It was another hard-fought battle, but the doors came up short yet again. Will Scotty Pippen Jr. finished with 18 points, 12 assists. Seems like we're saying that every game. Trey Thomas, though, Will, I know you're impressed with him. 17 points off the bench, five threes. He has proven, um, you know, in my mind, to be the most consistent shooter on this team. And and you know, he's kept he's kept his team in a lot of games uh, because of his shooting. And Dylan Dessou, he he continues to show. You know, some more signs of, of improvement, 16.7 rebounds. And, Will, this was a game where Vanderbilt very well could have won this game um, if if they weren't, you know, if they weren't necessarily dominated in the paint. And uh, that, that's that's a tough factor to control. But, Will, I mean, I'll say it, they got absolutely manhandled down low. And, and when you're manhandled the other team, it, it's, you know, you're going to win most of the time. Yeah, we're still desperately – this team is desperately missing Cleveland Brown back at full strength. And – a lot of yeah. the notes that, that I had from the game are pretty much the same thing that we've been saying consistently. So I don't want to get bogged down and saying the same thing over and over and over. But every single game, it looks like there's another guy that you point to and say, maybe this can be this, the true secondary scorer behind Scottie Pippen. And Miles Studi and, and Jordan mm-hmm. Wright looked really good previously. And this game, they combined for seven points with Studi having three and, and Jordan Wright having four. And I still don't know where this secondary source of offense is going to come from. And the main notes that I had were once again the scoring droughts, which which are because the having a lack of a second a true secondary scoring option that is consistent from ten at ten minutes and fifty one seconds in the first half. I'll go ahead and run through these really quick and then get your opinion on it. But ten fifty one in the first half, mm-hmm. Pippen makes a three. Vanderbilt has the lead twenty two to fifteen, and then at two minutes yep. and fifty nine seconds, Pippen made a layup. Uh, to bring the Commodores only trailing by two, 32 to 30. So for eight minutes, Vanderbilt scored six points. Um, in the second half, mm. 1443, Dylan DeSue makes a three to cut the lead to 51 to, four, to 48. Uh, not until 10 minutes and 15 seconds does Jordan Wright make a layup, um, making the score 61 to 52. So for four and a half minutes, Vanderbilt scored two points. And Mississippi State went on a 10 to two run. And this is the last one here. Mm. Is, uh, from eight minutes and 18 seconds in the second half remaining, Jordan Wright made two free throws. Vanderbilt's down one, 61 to 60. At four minutes and 34 seconds, Disu made a jumper, and it was 71 to 63. So for almost four minutes, Mississippi State went on a 10 to one run. And when you add all of those things together, Vanderbilt had 16 minutes of the 40 minutes in a college basketball game where they scored a total of nine points. And they only lost by three. Mm. So you can point to those three stretches and say that's where Vanderbilt lost this game when they otherwise probably should have won it if they had any sort of consistency yeah. on the offensive end. Will, you cut out one of those stretches, yep. they win the game. They win the game if you cut out one of those. And that's the issue. I mean, we've talked about that every game, these scoring droughts. I think, you know, you can have one scoring drought depending on, you know, how long it is. But, you know, three of those scoring droughts, you're not going to win a game. And like you touched on, Losing by three, that proves that Vanderbilt is <laughs> they're on the cusp. You know, they they they're on the cusp. And and another thing, Will, that you know, I think we've talked about a lot, but it's kind of their shooting percentage from the field. And in, in this game, Mississippi State shot sixty-one percent from the field while Vanderbilt shot forty-one percent. You're not gonna win many games when you when you shoot, you know, that low of a percentage. 
And 41 isn't horrible, but 61 is, is almost skyrocketing. I mean, that's an insane percentage from the field. That means Mississippi State was dominating points in the paint. It was just easy bucket after easy bucket. Um, so, again, we'll, we continue to kind of harp on, on the same sort of things, but you hit it on the head. These scoring droughts are, are, are what have been plaguing this Commodore team. And, well, I've said this all along. They cut out, you know, one or maybe even two of those a game. They're they're going to end up winning. Yeah, a lot basketball of these. is such a momentum sport, and I know that's something you can say about every sport. But I truly believe that basketball is because there's no transition from offense to defense. There's no change in between innings. There's no change of possession uh, where different groups run on and off the mm-hmm. field. And these scoring droughts have a mental wear on a team during a game. So they're more than just these stretches of not putting up points. Because overall, you know, when you look at the team statistics. Vanderbilt's right around the middle of the pack of the SEC in points per game, shooting percentage, pretty much right there in the middle. And when you look at that, you're thinking, how in the world has this team been struggling this much? <laughs> but a lot of it has to do with lack of confidence. And, and they know when they see one of these scoring droughts coming, it's hit three minutes they haven't scored or they scored one point. And, and you know it has to be running through the players' minds of how is this happening again? What are we doing? They start pressing. They get mm-hmm. outside of their game. The offense gets more disjointed. And that's something that we've seen a lot. And, and one player in particular, I've talked about DJ Harvey need, needing to step up, averaging only seven points per game. But somebody I expected more was senior guard Max Evans. And right now he's shooting under 20% yep. from three on the year. And that's just not somebody that I expected to be averaging three and a half points per game um, in nearly 19 minutes. Mm-hmm. He's playing almost half the game, scoring three, three and a half points a game. And that's a lot of time on the court for a guy that that last season I would have expected to be one of our best offensive producers. And this year it just hasn't come together mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a change in the system or new guys, Trey Thomas and Studi coming in. But that's a guy that you can point to specifically and say his role needs to increase and possibly focus on getting the ball in his hands on the offensive end because right now he's really just a non-factor. Yeah, later in the pod, you know, in our interview with Jack Gentry, he touched on Max Evans as well. I mean, Max was one of their go-to guys last year. You know, he had dropped, what was it, 30-something, mm-hmm. Will, against LSU? And, and, and you know, he, I mean, he looked amazing. So, you know, Max Evans is a guy that, you know, we don't, we, we don't necessarily have all the answers of, you know, why this is happening. But if Vanderbilt wants to, you know, win three, four, maybe even five games in the SEC, he's got to step up. So, again, we'll continue to kind of see where this Vanderbilt team's, team goes. They're supposed to play Tennessee on Saturday in Knoxville, 5 o'clock tip. We'll see if that game happens. I, I doubt that happens. And, Will, that game probably doesn't happen because of the postponement last night. Vanderbilt's home game with Tennessee last night was postponed due to a combination <laughs> of positive COVID tests, contact tracing, and subsequent quarantining of individuals within the Vanderbilt basketball program. That was according to a release from the SEC. They were, they were supposed to play Missouri on Tuesday, um, but due to Missouri's complications, uh, that game was postponed. But Tennessee also had complications with South Carolina, so Tennessee and Vanderbilt were going to team up last night. But, Will, again, this is something that has been running rampant around college basketball. Um, you know, Are you kind of in agreement that – you, know, you kind of doubt that game on Saturday. Yeah, I'd put it now, probably so. about 95% that game doesn't happen. But, you know, you can always keep hoping that 5%. College basketball is a mess. I mean, it, it's an absolute mess. The NBA is a mess. And we talked about, I don't remember which episode it was before the season began, that college basketball is going to have unique problems because the roster size is not large and you have one person test positive, subsequent contact tracing, and then the quarantining after and, and one guy testing positive is going to cause the team to be unable to play. 
And you're seeing that all across the country. And Vanderbilt seems to be having issues in particular. I don't know why that is. We don't know the inner workings of that program. But I don't expect this to be the last time that Vanderbilt has games suspended or postponed. And I don't think any team right now that's having issues with COVID, this will be the last time that they face those issues this season. Yeah, I completely agree. And at four and five on the year, Vanderbilt, you know, they need these games. And and like a lot of other teams, they, you know, they want to get out there and play no matter, you know, no matter who it is. Um, just getting games in is the most important thing. And so, Will, I mean, the bottom line is Vanderbilt has not yet stated when it will, will, will return to play. And it remains unclear whether the Commodores will enter a two-week COVID-induced shutdown. So, again, Vanderbilt could be uh, in the midst of another two-week shutdown. We'll, we'll continue to monitor that. Well, one more piece of news, though, to uh, to wrap this pod up before we get to Jack Gentry real quick. Mike Denbrock, the uh, the offensive coordinator over at Cincinnati, is, is in Nashville today. He's interviewing with Vanderbilt uh, about the OC position. Tom Loy of 24-7 24-7 sports reports. Uh, Denbrock was a Notre Dame assistant from 2010 to 2016, but he never overlapped there with Vanderbilt coach Clark Lee. But um, I'm sure, you know, Clark Lee has had um, experience and, and, and has dealt with um, Mike Denbrock there. But, Will, this would be a huge hire for Clark Lee, and he's talked about it. He already got his strength and conditioning coach, the you know, one of the more important hires. But this guy Vanderbilt brings in is the most important. And, and if Mike Denbrock comes in, Will, this, this, I think this will take this offense to a level that we have never yeah, really seen it's, it's the latest in the continuous new thing that I'm not going to be upset about in any way, shape, or form, that guys are leaving programs <laughs> that are experiencing more success right now and have more national recognition and prestige at this moment than Vanderbilt to yeah. come be coach at that same position uh, underneath Clark Lee. And that's a lot. And the Cincinnati yeah, fans th- are not. This happy. one is for some reason there's a, there's a small subsect of Cincinnati fans that are not a fan of Denbrock, and and I'm still looking at their statistics and looking at their recruiting classes, oh. and I'm confused why because the lot in yeah in 2019 and Me 2020 <laughs> I mean their recruiting classes were 66th and 41st, so they're sitting there right about where Vanderbilt is in, in recruiting class rankings, if not below. And they're bringing in two or three, four stars a year. So he he's going to be working with a similar talent level, if not more talent at Vanderbilt. And just for everybody's reference, Cincinnati ranked 25th in yards per game last season, 17th in points per game. And they finished nine and one first place in the American Conference and number eight in the country overall. And this offense really kind of hit its stride, um, starting with the SMU game, who was ranked number 16th in the country at that time. Uh, during that game and after the, the Cincinnati offense scored 42, 49, 38, 55, 38, and 27 to finish the year against Tulsa. So those are offensive numbers that if he brought over, honestly, even two-thirds or half of that to Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt fans would be ecstatic. Obviously, it's a different animal in SEC. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I truly believe that that we've been hearing some rumors about uh, possibly an OC being named today, that this would be a huge hire for Clark Lee. Um, building that staff yeah yeah and it'd be fun to uh to get the breaking news yeah. during the pod i don't think we're going to get that but um later today you know we should hear it so again i think a lot of animal fans are kind of sitting on the edge of their seat right now waiting on that and, and and again if it's mike denbrock 
if it's um, Dave Canales, the guy from Seattle that that has been rumored as well, I think you can you know Vanderbilt fans will be happy with with both of those guys, um, you know, leading the offense because that's really important to have that guy and that relationship with Ken Seals. Um, again, we'll talk a lot, a little bit more about the you know the future there with Clark Lee with Jack Gentry. Will this was really fun, you know, being. Being a Vanderbilt fan like yourself, you're a little bit older than I am, but you know, you and him, I think, kind of connected pretty quickly. Uh, you know, as soon as you heard guys like Shane Foster and, and yeah, and call Jay me Cutler. old here, Billy. I think I'm a year older than you, two years older than you, so uh, you'll be here soon in fun <laughs> adult life. But anytime that I hear Shane Foster and oh, yeah, Jermaine yeah. Beal, and and when we ask him about his favorite moments, it, it wasn't necessarily the stereotypical recent ones that you hear. So that that was a really fun conversation with him. And and you can tell from how he talks, he he gave his credentials like he had to prove himself to us. And, and I mentioned to him that I don't think anybody here is accusing you of being a bandwagon Vanderbilt fan. I don't think there are any of those across the country, but it, it was a really no. fun and informative conversation. No, there's not too no doubt. There's not too many bandwagon Vandy fans, uh, but uh, there could be with Clark Lee coming in. So, uh, again, we, we talk a little bit about Clark Lee. We touch on basketball. We touch on baseball. We touch on why Jack Gentry is a Vanderbilt fan. We've got all that and more, much more coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by. Apologies for the cutoff there at that segment. It's now time, though, before we get to the interview with Jack Gentry, to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on the new branding, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a listen. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report. We are, as always, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors alongside Will Byram. I'm Billy Derrick, and we'd like to welcome in now a good friend of mine, Jack Gentry. He is the proud leader of the Jay Cutler Hall of Fame 2023 campaign, a couple years away from that. He also writes for A to Z Sports. He's the host of the Tighten Up podcast. He's also a member of the George Plaster Show. You can listen 2 to 4 p.m., 560 a.m., 95.9 f.m., that's two to four Monday through Friday here locally in Nashville. Will, uh, we, got, we got a fun fun episode coming up. Jack, thanks a lot, man. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to talking some doors. Uh, doors hey, I'm pumped y'all, have, y'all had me on. I appreciate you guys. Um, I love that you led with the Jay Cutler Hall of Fame campaign because that's something I hold very close to my heart. <laughs> hey, so do we. And uh, you know, I think you might have the best header photo of all time on Twitter. <laughs> it's got to be up there with the best. So. You know, we'll definitely be talking some some Jay Cutler today. Jack, I want to start off um, before this podcast. You know, you and I were kind of talking about, um, you know, how you were a Vandy fan, even though you attended Ole Miss. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you have a, you have some allegiances to Ole Miss. But explain to Commodore Nation, our listeners, you know, what kind of drew you to, to being a Vanderbilt fan, even though, you know, you did attend a school uh, in the Yeah, so, it, it, so I grew up in Nashville. I grew up uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, actually, in Middle Tennessee. And I was raised a Vanderbilt fan. Now, both my parents went to Tennessee. So that, that, that yeah. makes a lot of that, – that, that, that provokes the question, well, why are they Vanderbilt fans? <laughs> well, my dad really doesn't have solid reasoning for it other than the fact that that's just how he was raised. And uh, would he have liked to be raised a different way at times? Probably during the Robbie Caldwell days, dur- during some of the drier days of Vanderbilt football. I think he would probably would have liked to have grown up maybe a, a different team in the SEC. But my mom's dad played basketball and baseball at Vanderbilt. Jimmy French, he's the shortest guy to ever play basketball at Vandy. 
Um, and, and so, wow. so the Vandy ties are there. I promise you while they are not there on the surface, deeper down, you, once you dig a little deeper, you'll realize, you know, Hey, okay. He's got a reason to be a Vandy fan, but I've been lucky. I, I grew up during my dad's very jealous of me because I grew up during a time of Vanderbilt athletics where the basketball team was having success on the court with Kevin Stallings and some of the players like Shane Foster and, uh, Jermaine Beal and a bunch of those guys and the football team has made a few bowl appearances after the first one in 08 that I got to witness. Um, my dad was kind of like, Hey, uh, you'll be lucky to, if, if you ever see another one in your lifetime. And I was like, thanks dad. This sounds like a fun <laughs> time being a Vandy fan, but actually um, growing up a Vandy fan was really fun for me. You know, the highs are extremely high and the lows. Well, at times they're expected. So it's not that bad. But when I went to Ole Miss, <laughs> uh, I was a part of, uh, the, the Hugh Freeze era, kind of. So when I went to Ole Miss, they had some of the best years that they've ever had in, 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 with the football program, winning a Sugar Bowl, um, losing in a Peach Bowl, beating Alabama back-to-back my freshman and sophomore year. So obviously I hold Ole Miss close. But um, just growing up in Nashville, growing up a Vandy fan, it's something that hasn't left me. And, you know, there were highs throughout, the, you know, my childhood. I got to see Jay Cutler play. The 2008 season from football mm-hmm. and basketball was really entertaining, except – for of course losing to Siena in the tournament, but mm-hmm. you know you get to when you when you're 12 years old and Vanderbilt hosts college game day, right? Of a, a, a football a football program yeah. that uh, I don't know if they'll ever come back, but you know we had it one time and I was there. Memories like that, memories like in that same season, Vanderbilt knocking off Tennessee. The Vols were ranked number one, you know, just earlier in the week. They come to Nashville on my birthday. And Vandy upsets them, and they storm the court, and the Vols crumble. And granted, they had the last laugh after Vandy lost in the first round to Siena, but it's just memories like that growing up. I was lucky to have because a lot of these Vandy fans that are still around today, you know, there were a lot more struggles and trials and tribulations than than what I was kind of born into. Granted, it took a little while to get there, mm-hmm. but you know, the amount of bowl games they've been to—that's you know being born when I was yeah. is lucky timing because Vanderbilt's really come on kind of now we're in a bit of a lull, but with Clark Lee coming in, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that things will change. Yeah. So are, uh, you know, a lot of Vanderbilt fans, especially with a lot of the, you know, positivity coming from the administration, we'll see, you know, what happens there, but with you holding Ole Miss so close and Vanderbilt so close, I got to ask, did you go to the 2013 season opener Thursday night at Vanderbilt? Yes, Stadium? I did. Actually, I was a senior in high school and at the time I knew I was going to Ole Miss. I'd been accepted, but I was still a Vandy fan. I, you know, I was, I was still pulling for Vandy <laughs> and yeah. But you weren't you weren't I was demoralized crushed. after I was crushed. Because I I mean I hadn't gone to Ole Miss. I'm still full on Vandy. I'm I'm like Okay, okay. So you weren't really at this you time, weren't really I'm uh, I'm seventeen years old. Vanderbilt. I'm a diehard Vanderbilt fan. I mean a sicko Vanderbilt fan. Like it, so so when Jeff Scott <laughs> broke that run down the sideline, when all, when Vandy had just scored, oh, I was man. I was there with some of my buddies. We were all going to Ole Miss together and they were going crazy and I wish I could have enjoyed yeah. it, but I was just crushed. Yeah, that was a slow piercing there, that run. It's almost like, you know, that watching that live was in slow motion, um, you know, witnessing that. And, and that stadium really, I, I tell everybody, and I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans agree, that's the loudest and, and most, you know, electric that stadium's ever been. Um, even though they did lose, 
you know, that's kind of the epitome of Vanderbilt football, the, the, you know, the excitement of the game, but they end up losing it. Um, so that, that's kind of, you know, where, where I think it all begins for Vanderbilt fans, just kind of, you know, witnessing that, but then, you know, you don't really get, yeah, what you it's want kind of a cruel, cruel world being a Vandy fan. Sometimes the Ole Miss game is just another example, by the way, um, you know, going to Ole Miss and being a part of some of their football programs, they do the same thing. So Vandy kind of thickened my skin and prepared me for the collapses that Ole Miss would have. You know, fourth and 25, you win against Arkansas and you're in the SEC championship game. Uh, so so I, I kind of appreciate Vandy in a way that most people don't and that they've kind of – they have really shown me what heartbreak really feels like. Yeah, Jack, you were you were given your credentials as a Vanderbilt fan, and I think it may be the only SEC team that nobody has ever accused uh, any fans of being bandwagon or having to show credentials. <laughs> You're right. True fan. But before we get into kind of the current state of Vanderbilt athletics, I, uh, you sound like a real diehard fan similar to me, and I was there in that 2013 game, and I was at the 2008 bowl game, and in uh, well, at that time it wasn't Nissan Stadium, but at the Titan Stadium. Um, what is your favorite memory from, from Vanderbilt football or basketball, um, that kind of sticks out in your mind is, is something that you look back on very fondly. Okay. I'll give you one of each. And the first one's pretty easy for me. Jay Cutler and Earl Bennett, along Mm -hmm. with Bobby Johnson, go into Neyland stadium Mm -hmm. in 2005 and beat the Tennessee Vols for the first time in 20 something years. That game was in, I've watched Mm -hmm. it over. We have, we have the the DVD of it, and I when I, I had a, a knee surgery in high school, and while I was you know at home trying you know not very mobile, I probably watched that thing twenty times. I'm not kidding. It, that the the drive where Cutler connects to Earl Bennett, threads it through a needle to win the game. You know that that was just. And I grew up, and I'm sure you guys were the same way because you grow up in Middle Tennessee, and all of your friends are Tennessee fans. Mm-hmm. At the lunch table, you're outnumbered. On Monday, oh, okay, they're going to come at me because Vandy got beat by 30 by South Carolina, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, whereas the Vols were having some success. Now, granted, the tables have turned, and I kind of wish, you know, I was was at the middle school lunch table now with these Vols fans. But but so so that's my football moment because beating Tennessee still, that's a a drug to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Then on the basketball court, it has to be Shane Foster senior night for me against Mississippi State, goes berserk. Hits a game winner from, you know, 35 feet. Uh, Shane Foster is my favorite basketball mm. player to ever play at Vandy. Now, they've had some good ones, you know, um, but no one really liked Shane Foster. He he was a guy who, during Kevin Stallings' era, really carried that team. A bunch of Titans fans, I'm sure, w- are listening. Shane Foster was Derrick Henry in a basketball uniform that played down the road in West, you know, off West End. That That's what he was to that Vanderbilt yep. team. And he he's my favorite basketball player they've ever had. Um, and so, so it has to be for me, Jay Cutler and the doors going up to Knoxville to beat the Vols in Neyland stadium for the first time. in I think it was 23 years. And then Shane Foster senior night when Mississippi state came into town. I'm so glad you brought up Shane Foster. Cause that's my favorite basketball player ever. I think I was, I was number 32 in sixth grade basketball because of Shane Foster. <laughs> so I, that, that's a real Vandy fan <laughs> pulling that one out there. And, and I made my own, uh, printed out player card of him so that I could have a card of Shane Foster. But um, since we're on the topic of basketball and past success, Vanderbilt has really stumbled is even kind of a understatement here. They've had two of the worst seasons in the history of the program. They'd never had a 20 loss season. 
Um, and, and it looks like things are, are improving, even if it's very, very slowly and very, very painfully. What do you see from this current Vanderbilt team that gives you hope for the future? And on the flip side, what do you see from this team that leaves you doubts for Stackhouse? Well, first of all, I think Jerry Stackhouse is, is the guy. I think he is the guy to turn this thing around. Now, there, there, he has his faults, and some of that it lies on the recruiting trail and whether he, he you know, has the energy and effort to go out and do some of these things that a bunch of these blue blood coaches do, and, and really coaches at struggling programs who are trying to get back to where they should be need to do. But that being said, I think X's and O's, he's a top five coach in the SEC. And I covered them last year for A to Z. And the way other coaches spoke about Stackhouse – who had a team at times where there were only seven scholarship guys. And let's be honest, a couple of those guys at other schools in the SEC would not have scholarships. I mean, the team had no talent and they fought. And they, they the difference between Bryce Drew and Jerry Stackhouse's first year was that in Bryce Drew, on Bryce Drew's team, some of those guys would lay down and quit when a game got out of hand. Stackhouse's teams have never done that. And he comes in with an NBA mindset offensively where they don't have a set offense each week. He, he, plugs, he plugs in different plays, different schemes, different sets, and they mix and match. They're, one, they're really hard to scout because of Stack, Stackhouse's offensive mind. And so I think he's perfect for Vanderbilt right now. I hope he stays a while and kind of gets them back on track. Um, Player-wise, Scottie Pippen and Dylan DeSue, right? Those are the two big names right now. Um, those are the guys who are if, – if they win this year, that's who they'll win through. Max Evans is – is a microwave. When he gets hot, he's hot as ever. But that's not always there. That's Max, the, the 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 Max Evans that drops 15, 20 points a night. Um, that that's not that's not a thing. You know, he's going to have his struggles from from the field as well. These young guys. I mean, it's just a really young team. You know, they have they have nobody on that team who's really seen success at the college level, and just playing against some of the these SEC teams. Now the SEC is in a down year, and I do think Vanderbilt will win a few games, but. They're outmatched from a talent perspective nearly every single night. And it really shows up last year when they beat LSU at home. Um, that was that was a funky game because I ha- I, w- I was watching from the crow's nest. Vanderbilt, you know, puts their media members up at the, you know, up at the sky level um, to, to look down. But um, that was one of the crazier games for me just, you know, throughout my life as a Vanderbilt fan because that was an LSU team who was in the top 25 who Vanderbilt had no business playing with and they come in and Vandy shoots lights out and end up winning. And you'd hear Will Wade after the game. He's like, man, Stackhouse, Stackhouse is a hell of a coach. And I, that's why I, that's why I have faith. Cause I believe in Stackhouse. I think this Vanderbilt basketball program will go somewhere soon. You know, it may not be as soon as Vandy fans want two, three years. It'll probably take a whole nother recruiting class, a, a little bit of a turnover, but I, I think they're on the right track. And I think the hire of Jerry Stackhouse we're going to look back on, you know, 10 years down the road and, and you're going to say, well, he really helped turn this thing around. He really, he really bailed Vandy out in their most desperate stage um, as a basketball program. I hate, to, I hate to get in here, guys. We got Jack Gentry we here. There is breaking news as far as baseball season is concerned. Um, Kendall Rogers, the co-managing editor of D1 Baseball, just said breaking SEC athletic directors have approved a normal baseball season structure for the spring and increased the SEC travel roster size from 27 to 30. Sorry to break in there, but that's pretty new, pretty big news for uh, the Vanderbilt baseball program. That's that they'll exciting. Be running a normal schedule. That's, 
That's exciting. I'm, yeah, no I'm doubt. pumped to see Jack Leiter and no Kumar doubt. Rocker out there this year. That, 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 that tandem, I don't know how you hit those guys. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. We'll, we'll definitely touch on baseball a little bit later in, in courtesy of Will's breaking news. But, Jack, I, I, we got Jack Gentry here from A to Z Sports on the door report. You touched on Vanderbilt shooting lights out that night against LSU. And, you know, shooting has been kind of Vanderbilt's calling card, you know, you know, the past decade or so and even longer, you know, with under Kevin Stallings. They've always had, you know, a couple or a few really, really good shooters, guys like John Jenkins, Shane Foster, even guys like Tinsley who, you know, you know, were extremely consistent, but you could rely on them to knock down shots. This Vanderbilt team doesn't seem like they have that guy. You know, it could be Trey Thomas right now, but, you know, he's not even in the starting lineup. How did they, you know, how did, how do they find that guy? How do you think they go about, you know, the process of, of finding another shooter and, and, and getting to that point where they can, you know, rely on, on, on one guy or, or maybe another guy, because it seems like that's what they're missing, especially from some of those Kevin. Well, it's an interesting question because it all, it's really up to Stackhouse and his recruiting staff. You know, they have to go out there and find a guy and, you look around, Kentucky's kind of going through something similar where they, you know, they've had great shooters in the past. Devin Booker, uh, you know, just a bunch of these, Jamal Murray, a bunch of these guys that came through Kentucky and really lit it up uh, from the three-point line. I'm not going to compare Vanderbilt basketball to Kentucky basketball, but that's that's on the coach. Cal Perry is getting heat right now because uh, they, they haven't really recruited shooters. And now they have, you know, the player, the Kentucky – a basketball player of the year, and he sat the bench the first six, seven games, and they suffered because of it. Now they play him, and the kid's shooting lights out. It takes one guy like that to really just add another dimension to this team because now all of a sudden you have to constantly account for this guy on the perimeter. That opens up the rest of the floor. So it, it, I, I don't know that Stackhouse has really put a premium on recruiting shooters like Stallings did. But, yeah, it, seeing the streak go last year, and I'm sorry to go back to last year, but – Seeing, seeing the streak go last year was one of the more disappointing mm. things. And, you know, you, you heard from a bunch of former Vandy basketball alumni, and they said the same thing. Like, how, even in a down year, when, when wins don't really seem to be coming, and th- th- there's one thing that Vanderbilt basketball holds sacred, and it's this three point streak since, you know, since the, the, the doors have hit yeah. a three in every game since a three point line was created in college. And that goes by the wayside. That really takes the air out of a program. And so, yeah, I, I would like to see more shooters at Vanderbilt, but right now they have more problems than just finding a shooter. You know, they, they, their big men have to develop. They, they, they don't seem to have a, a big guy down low, whereas they had, you know, even Ogilvy a few years, Festus Azili, um, Shane Gang was physical down there. He wasn't as tall, but, you know, they, they had a strong front court that could really contend with some of these big lineups you see in the SEC, and they don't have that right now. Yeah, I think I could talk about Vanderbilt basketball in the hardwood with you for uh for the next for about a couple a couple more hours, but especially talking about the shooting and that being a lost art in college basketball, and that might even be an understatement, even though it's a broad term. But there there's been a lot of news around Vanderbilt football and kind of some some excitement you feel building around that program with some of the assistant coaches that new uh, head coach Clark Lee has been bringing in. But we'll, we'll get started on football by talking about the quarterback since uh, you're the head of the Jay Cutler Hall of Fame push. That's right. But do you think Ken Seals is the guy and has what it takes to lead Vanderbilt to more success in the, ne- in the coming three to four years? No doubt about it. Ken Seals is the real deal. Okay, so for me, Vanderbilt quarterbacks, you have to look at a few 
Um, some of my favorites throughout the years, obviously, Jay Cutler is number one. You have Jordan Rogers, Austin Carter Samuels, Shermer. I mean, they've had some great quarterbacks come through there. So mm-hmm. what they 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 can they tend to do do well at finding these guys. Ken Seals is a freshman, played behind the worst offensive line in the SEC with the worst weapons in the SEC, and still put up pretty decent numbers. I mean, he he played he played about as well as you can ask for from a freshman quarterback in the SEC. So in a sense, I think that he's kind of gotten a head start in a year that really didn't matter. That was a you know a COVID season. Vanderbilt wasn't expected to win a single game. He comes in, he starts every game, and he looks well. He, I mean, he looks solid. He, he, you can see that the arm strength is there. The decision making needs work, but he's young, and that'll come. Um, having consistency on the offensive side of the ball with, with play calling, um, that's a big part of developing a quarterback. But I think he's coming in as a sophomore quarterback in the SEC. It's rare that you, well, it's really rare in general that a, that a true freshman quarterback comes in and starts for an SEC team. Now he's got a leg up heading into his sophomore year. And I think he can win some games for Vanderbilt. I think by the, by the time it's all said and done, he's going to be up there in the record books. I, I think that him and Shermer and Cutler, I, I think he falls, whether it's in between those two or maybe third on that list. I think that when Ken Seals leaves Vanderbilt and heads to the NFL, because I think he's capable of that, um, you, Vandy fans are going to talk about him for some time. Yeah, if, if he's being discussed whether or not where he falls in Kyle Shermer and Jay Cutler on that list, then I think he's had a pretty damn good career at Vanderbilt. Right. That's the discussion at the end. But we've seen Vanderbilt at some low points, whether it's 2014 or you mentioned the Robbie Caldwell era. But how long, how far down do you think this program is after an 0-9 season? And how long do you anticipate a possible turnaround? And I'm not talking about going 6-6, six and 8-4, six, and four just to turn around back to a competitive level in the SEC, how long do you think and how big of a task do you think Clark Lee has ahead of him? Well, I think Vanderbilt right now is at rock bottom. I don't think that they could go lower. They lost every single game in the SEC. They didn't really compete in most of those. The biggest headline of the year was that you had Sarah Fuller come in and kick extra points. Um, the, the, the program's in the dumps. There's no doubt about it. Clark Lee gives me opt- he, he, he makes me feel a little optimistic. Clark Lee played at Vanderbilt. He knows what he's getting into, right? A bunch of these coaches outside that, you know, haven't been to Vanderbilt, haven't played there, you have no experience, really have no inside knowledge of the program. They're going to come in with a disadvantage uh, because it's hard to recruit at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's the hardest place to recruit at in the SEC. Um, it's Clark Lee, he knows what battle they have. He, he knows that it's an uphill climb. But coming from a winning culture like Notre Dame, mm. And being under a head coach like Brian Kelly, who preaches culture, who pre you, you know he, he's a, he that Notre Dame program culture is never an issue there. Vanderbilt right now it's a big issue mm-hmm. because Derek Mason inherited a lot of what James Franklin built. And judging a coach's success by the end of their tenure, you ask, did he leave the program better than he found it? The answer is a resounding no for Derek Mason. There are a lot of factors that played into that. But Clark Lee, there's no possible way where he leaves this program in a worse place than he's finding it. He's got an uphill battle, but I think that he's I think he's up to the task. And uh, to take this job instead of waiting around for Brian Kelly's job at Notre Dame, that says something to me. I, I think that he, with his Nashville ties, he really cares about Vanderbilt, and he wants to see this program, you know, in, in a spot where they compete with the Vols every year, where they where they they aren't you know, battling it out for one to two wins in the SEC. 
I think he wants to put six wins on the board for Vanderbilt. And I think that in a couple of years, I think the turnaround's possible. You know, recruiting Nashville is a big thing. Keeping some of these guys at these big schools, Oakland, Blackman, Brentwood Academy, um, Innsworth, you know, Montgomery Bell, all these big schools that continue to produce, you know, some of the area's best talent. You got to, you got to work on keeping those guys. That's what Franklin did. He recruited Nashville. He recruited the state well. So it's up to Clark Lee to kind of, you know, look, open up the book, see what Franklin did well, see what worked for Franklin and what didn't work for Mason because you have, you know, Vanderbilt at its best and Vanderbilt at its worst. The perspective is is ridiculous. Um, you can kind of pick and choose what worked and what didn't work. And I think Clark Lee will, will end up weaving this program back into, you know, at, at least respectability where where they don't roll over and get thumped by 30 every week. Yeah, he's going to be true. also need the help of the administration. Also, you know, with Daniel Deermeyer, Candace Lee, you know, we've talked a lot about those two and, and, and the role they've played, you know, both of them just stepped in, you know, within a year into Vanderbilt. And, you know, they've said a lot, you know, we also heard a lot from Nicholas Zeppos and, you know, from him in terms of, you know, the future of the football program. Jack, I want to ask you about, you know, kind of what they've been saying and, 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 you know, obviously no shovels have hit the ground yet, but, you know, what has to happen from there? Um, you know, from their standpoint and, and, and from their camp, um, you know, in order to help Clark Lee um, and, and give him everything he needs, because that's obviously very important, especially at a school. They've like got to buy in you know. and no pun intended, but it's going to take some money to do this. And what, what, what fires me up about Deermeyer is that he gives a damn, you know, after, after Vanderbilt got embarrassed in front of the whole nation and Sarah Fuller's first game against Missouri, Deermeyer had a problem and he made it, he made it known that, Hey, like, changes need to happen around here. And it's going to probably have to start with Derek Mason. Now, Derek Mason fell on that sword. Granted that I think that leaving Vanderbilt for Auburn is a freeing, it has to be a freeing feeling from him. He's kind of been in prison at Vanderbilt here, just with no help from the athletic department. But yeah, it's going to take some money. They're going to have to start shoveling some money at the football team and the football program, because in the SEC, you're going to, you're going to get your SEC checks. Okay, you're going to get your SEC football checks from SEC Network, ESPN, whatever. They're, they're, those aren't going to stop coming. But what's the problem with having a great university academically and also succeeding on the athletics, you know, on the athletics field? I, 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 they have the money to do this. Um, it's a bunch of these boosters. You, how do you get the boosters back? Over the last five years, they've lost some of those guys. You know, th- those guys aren't as, as willing to open their, their pocketbooks and you know put money into the athletic program because number one they don't trust that it's going to actually go to there and number two there's no reason to invest in Vanderbilt athletics when the athletic department doesn't give a damn when the university doesn't really give a damn so that's another thing that they're going to have to overcome and I think they can do it um Clark Lee's a guy that's going to have to inject some excitement back into this program and Candace Lee this is her first hire Jerry Stackhouse was Malcolm Turner's so this this is finally something mm-hmm. that we can, you know, that Vanderbilt fans are going to be able to judge Candace Lee off of. It, look, I think it's a home run hire, personally. What it, I want to play tennis with this a little bit, just real quickly. What will? What do you think of Clark Lee coming to Vanderbilt? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like it. I, you know, I, I think Will and I are kind of, you know, somewhat in agreement on, on in that. You know, he, he's a Vanderbilt guy, and, and, ha- and when's the last time someone that was, you know, graduated from Vanderbilt, played at Vanderbilt, knows what it takes, and, and coming over here to Nashville, back home, you know, you touched on it, Jack, 
he's back home. You know, it's where he wants to be. And, and, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, he, he left Notre Dame. Like you said, you know, that's a big, big step down. So um, not in a bad way, but that, that, you know, that's, that is a step down. So, but he wants to build this and, and here, you know, Barton Simmons is a guy that we had on our podcast and he had a lot of really, really good things to say about him. And now he's on his staff and Barton Simmons is one of the best recruiters. So I think that touches on his recruiting. Um, and I know, I know yeah, I think the only kind of thing the same, the that brought thing any hesitation to my mind in regards to Clark Lee is just the thing you're not supposed to do, which is you don't want the last head coach. And we were saying a lot of the same things about Derek Mason when he was hired from Stanford, as we are about Clark Lee with, the background at a, at a more prestigious academic university, knowing the ins and outs. And granted, Derek Mason didn't play football at Vanderbilt, but that's my only thing holding me back from being 100% fully gung-ho with him is just you do have a defensive-minded head coach, which is why the offensive coordinator hire is going to be so massive. And something that's really brought me on board, which I wasn't off board before, but brought me more towards being 100% in has been seeing the staff that he is, he's starting to create here at Vanderbilt. You haven't seen uh, guys move from, from prestigious programs such as Wisconsin, where they pulled the defensive line coach for the same position at Vanderbilt. Barton Simmons, like you mentioned, Billy, coming in as the recruiting coordinator, getting the strength and conditioning coach from Wake Forest and getting the special teams coordinator from Syracuse. So these are a lot of guys that are making lateral or downward moves to be associated with this program. And that doesn't happen without, at least during the interview process, some commitment um, towards improving this football program from the administration. And trust in Clark Lee, right? Because these guys who who are moving, you know, whether it's lateral or downward, um, you, you got to trust the guy in charge. And this and Clark Lee's higher at offensive coordinator yeah, will be yeah, no huge doubt. because you you know you have a quarterback you can work with. So you know it's time to it's time to make you know Vandy's offense exciting again. You know it, it really not. is. Um, all the you can you can get the pieces there, and what Lane Kiffin has done at Ole Miss. I, I don't want to compare these two. We'll move on soon here, but um, Ole Miss was Ole Miss was in a similar position <laughs> as Vandy during Matt Luke's tenure. You know they were they were stuck in the mud. They were going nowhere fast. Uh-huh. Uh, they they bring in a head coach, an offensive-minded head coach, yeah. where Ole Miss can now shoot out with teams in the SEC. And if they lose, it's kind of still fun because they're mm-hmm. scoring 40 points and still losing. Um, so, so that's kind of gotten some energy back into the Ole Miss program. And I think if Vanderbilt develops an offense that's going to score a few times on Saturday, that, that'll, get, that, that'll start putting butts in seats. And it's kind of a, a domino effect from there. But the interest level will rise just with a better, a more, you know, a faster and more entertaining offense. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's so needed, especially with, you know, the, kind of the Andy Ludwig era, the four years with Shermer, where you saw a lot of, you know, eye formation, play action, you know, from under center. And with Ken Seals, you saw a lot of RPO. Now, you know, we'll see who what offensive um, guy Clark Lee brings in. Where you know, obviously Cincinnati's Mike Denbrock has been mentioned. Um, but we are running out a little bit of time here, Jack. I want to end it with a little bit of baseball. Um, you know, you mentioned Jack Leiter and, and uh, Kumar Rocker, how excited you are to watch those guys. I think I can't think of a college baseball fan in America that isn't excited to watch those two guys. But, you know, for this team, obviously, we haven't seen the Vandy boys in a while. Um, so for them to just get back on the field, it's going to be fun to watch for this team and that pitching staff. Do you think that's the best that 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 we've seen under Tim Corbin? Because They've had some great staff one, two in next year's draft. You know, David Price, Sonny Gray, uh, I, yeah. I mean, Walker Bueller. They've had a bunch of great pitchers. It's really an, an arm factory over there. But, yeah, I think when you have guys who are going to go probably one and two 
back-to-back two of the top picks of, of next year's MLB draft, I mean, it, they, it has to be the best staff. Now, you can judge this on what they do in the pros 10 years down the road. But right now, I mean, from, from what they what they are projected yeah. to be, what Kumar Rocker has been, what Jack Leiter showed last year, this without a doubt can be the best staff in America. And I think Vanderbilt baseball mm-hmm. has an advantage this season with having a year off. Um, I think the best coaches in college mm-hmm. baseball are going to really shine this season. How to prepare a team with you know such an elongated period away from uh, the baseball field. Uh, that's where Tim Corbin's going to come in, and I think – the best coaches you look across college baseball, you know, you've got Michigan, you've got Vanderbilt, you you have a LSU, a bunch of these coaches who have done so much in this game. Those are the teams that I expect to be there at the end in the College World Series is with experienced coaches who can get a team through what's mm-hmm. what's going to be a tricky season and what has been, you know, a, a year plus away from the game. Yeah, kind of like Nick Saban just did with Alabama, you know, the safe bet. You know, he kind of proved that, you know, this is – he cemented his legacy at Alabama. You know, I think we'll see a lot of that with college baseball. I agree, Jack. And But let's, uh, you know, let's wrap it up here, Jack. Again, thanks so much. Uh, and, and we'll we'll touch on it with the breaking news there. College baseball, it's going to be getting started on time, full season. And, and um, so, we, yeah, we'll, we'll get, we're getting ready for the Vandy boys. Uh, but, Jack, again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Uh, we'll definitely be uh, be getting you on a little bit more as we head into football season, especially into baseball season again. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, and go, good luck with your Yeah, hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Just let me know. I'll come back up. on whenever you guys need me. Well, that does it for Episode 64 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Big thanks to Jack Gentry from A to Z Sports for checking in to talk some Commodore athletics alongside Will Byram and Jack Gentry. I'm Billy Derrick, and you've been listening to episode 64 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors.